Good day, everyone. I'm here with Mark Johnson uh, talking about um, marriage. Uh, Mark Johnson and his partner, Heather Choate, are international marriage experts. They've been featured on Fox, Yahoo, First for Women, CBS, and have helped thousands of people around the world save their marriage. Considered the ICU for marriage, their method is radically different than traditional counseling, and they're here to share some of their secrets with, the, with all of you. So, uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, tell me about this uh, ICU for marriage. What does that mean? Well, you know, the thing is, we've kind of created a bit of a niche in the market, and the vast majority of the people that we help uh, are individuals who are trying to patch together their marriage when their spouse is already starting to head out the door. So what we end up doing is, um, you know, I talk with these individuals, I kind of help them to identify, okay, what's really uh, driving their spouse away, and I give them tips on how to, to cool that off and how to rebuild connection, you know, even if their husband or wife is saying, hey, we got a divorce. So this is, this is why it's the ICU. People are in, it's, it's a marriage crisis situation in most all cases that we deal with. Interesting. Yeah, I could have used that 15 years ago. My wife passed away, but I was married for 12 and a half years. And it was a pretty rocky road. Hmm. And I certainly could have used some kind of um, counseling from a marriage yeah, I mean, this is not a, an easy period for a lot of people. Most, you know, it's not a everyday sort of thing where you say, you know, hey, my marriage might be ending. And it, it, I, people have found it immensely helpful to just kind of have a decent direction to go in in a, a situation that they've never really encountered. Yeah, it's not like you receive training in school about how to manage a marriage, right? Uh, I mean, I did, but <laughs> most of us. Yeah, most most people have not. No. Yeah, I actually got married on the third date, literally on the third date. And oh I, wow! I asked to be ask her to marry me, and we got married that night. Uh, you know, I've heard some really fast uh, courtships, but you know, I think you you might actually have the record there for me. I don't know if I've ever heard three dates and a proposal. So proposal and an acceptance and putting together the wedding and the whole thing all in the same day. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, it, that's, that's interesting because, you know, I, I'm just going to, you know, some statistics here, you know, something like that, a very short courtship generally is not statistically favorable for a long-term relationship. But you said you, you lasted 12 years, which you actually would have gotten over that, that hump there so it must have been at least in some ways a good match well she got sick about okay. uh, two three years into it and it got, became very sick and i wasn't about to walk out on somebody who was that sick gotcha. she didn't okay have... so this is not really about it being a good match there was extra things outside of the marriage that really led to you know to what happened yeah yeah it, it would have gone to divorce but there you know i'm not going to walk out on somebody who i have to change her ivs every 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 day Gotcha. Um, yeah, that makes sense. What are you gonna What are you gonna do if you got any honor or responsibility, right? Well, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, if you've, <laughs> I mean, within a few years, I mean, here you you had basically made the commitment to you know for better or for worse, you're gonna you're gonna stick around. And it's honestly, Richard, not everyone thinks that way. So I mean, that that's it's commendable. Yeah, yeah. And you know, my advice to anybody would be: don't get married on the third date. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, um, so in that case, if we'd come to you, uh, mm -hmm. say after a year and said, uh, and I'd said, I want to, I want to divorce this woman, or she said, I want to divorce this man or whatever, what would you have done? 
Well, I mean, as you were describing, there was other circumstances going on, like she got sick. Um, but even if, if that was going on, we can kind of go through both scenarios, whether that was going on or not. But, you know, uh, typically I, I like to look at, okay, well, what's, what are the active pain points? Like what's actively causing people to, to come apart? I think that's a, always a great place to, to start. You, you need to eliminate those pain points. But that doesn't necessarily create a good relationship. You know, like my neighbor, I'm, I'm honestly like, a, <laughs> I, I talk very deeply with people, but I'm not a very social person. So like, I don't really know my neighbor that well. I don't have any problems with them, but I don't have a good relationship with them. I'm not close. And the same sort of thing with a marriage. You can eliminate problems, but then you need to say, okay, well, what's, you know, how do you build up that connection again? Um, and, you know, what's preventing that, this other person who's leaning away from the marriage to sit down and even make some small commitments or consider what's going on. Uh, it's, it's really different per, um, couple to couple. Some couples it's about rebuilding trust because there's been some infidelity. Other couples it's um, because that they've lost love. There just isn't that love anymore. And, you know, we need to examine what happened there and, you know, why isn't, uh, you know, why isn't there this love and why isn't the person considering rebuilding that? Uh, other situations, people get into these midlife crisis, crises or, you know, fall into depression and they blame the marriage. And it's really different uh, depending on what the, the problem is, how you might approach it. Yeah, ours got so bad where we, we started um, half jokingly talking about, you know, you have to sleep here and I have knives, which was something she would say or watch out for the poison. And so it sounds to me like, you know, even though that that's joking, it sounds to me like there was kind of, it became acceptable to have some amount of contempt between the two of you, some amount of, you know, like, you're like joking that, hey, I might, <laughs> I might do you some harm, which really tells me. Um, it, was, like it, it was her to me. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't do that to her. She became very bitter for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, that, that, that would be what I would call contempt then. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with other big names in terms of relationships, but one of the biggest names out there is John Gottman, who's really famous for his research um, in marriages. He got famous basically being able to predict pretty accurately who would stay together and who would divorce eventually. And he had these predictors, the, the four horsemen of divorce, one of the big ones being contempt. Yep. You know, is there a persistent negative view of the other person? And that, yeah. Yeah, especially after I got told by her she had an affair and she didn't care what I thought about it. So it was interything. It was interesting. Thing. I mean, obviously, <laughs> so you're not big. here to psychoanalyze me in the marriage, but I just thought it was a good example for you. <laughs> yeah, big can of worms there. I mean, you know, one, you're, you know, first you're like, hey, we're thinking about divorce. What do we do about this? But yeah, then we add contempt into the mix. We add affairs into the mix. And, you know, my, my philosophy is that there's always something that can be done to improve the relationship. Um, even, you know, even if we're accepting that it might not get to the point where they reconcile. And for some people that's enough, you know, if they can at least get along enough, you know, to perhaps co-parent well together, or because there, there's some vague desire to remain in contact. Uh, you know, sometimes we have to just settle for those smaller goals, but yeah, always something that can be done, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was an interesting situation in my life. I'm kind of glad it's over. Um, but I, and I learned a lot, but, um, in any event, uh, that's probably on the far end of things that you deal with. Although you probably deal with ones where both 
people are at each other's throats. With me, it was just her at my throat. Mm. Honestly, though, I, I think a lot of the, the people that I do talk with are more that one-sided because, okay. because, you know, it takes a certain someone to approach a professional and say, hey, I want to fix my marriage. Well, it typically means that they still have some feelings for the, their partner. And, you know, you'd actually be surprised how often I, I get into this where it's just one person has built up this resentment for their partner and it all of a sudden it comes out and the, the client that I'm working with is surprised at the state of it when it's really been building up for some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did do counseling and that I got that surprise. <laughs> it was, it was very interesting. Like, Whoa, <laughs> no, no, that's, that's common. Um, yeah. I, I tend to see that a little bit more with, with women mm-hmm. uh, where they are, they make an emotional decision and they sit on that for a while. I'm not sure what it is specifically about women, but uh, you know, I, I will see things like that or they start planning their exit strategy way in advance before they actually let their spouse know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she was uh, also Guatemalan and she had a somewhat different um, approach to life than I was born in California. So it, um, it, uh, there was some cultural differences that made it a little rough too. I'm sure oh, you've dealt with that. Richard, you're, you're hitting all the, all the marks that uh, just kind of statistically point to not, <laughs> not as likely. Yeah. The, the differences in values or culture is, you know, people can get over that. And this is nothing against say interracial marriage, interculture marriage, but you know, the, there are certain values, um, you know, and if those values are different, you're stacking the numbers against you. Even within like the, say the same culture, you might have different values. Uh, you know, my mm-hmm. wife and I were both, you know, we're both Caucasian, come from similar religious backgrounds, but, you know, have different values. And we, there's sometimes even clashes between us, even though I work with people on marriages and relationships every day. So it's just, yeah, that's another just factor that uh, there that statistically doesn't favor a long-term relationship. Well, an example would be in, as a Californian, my approach, and as a, as a man, probably, I tend to be overt. If there's a problem, I want to solve it. I want to talk about it. I want to get it done. Her, she was covert. So she would hint. She would drop hints. Um, and I didn't pick up on them at all. And that just infuriated her. Like, why are you so stupid that you can't figure that out <laughs> after weeks of trying to make me figure it out? It's like, why didn't you just tell me you wanted that? <laughs> well, it's, I, and that's, it's a cultural common. thing. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I, I see that among a, a lot of cultures though. And it's, um, it's, it, it is a problem. It's kind of this assumption that if you don't know what, you know, what's going to make me happy, you must not love me. When really the, the factor is you, you're expecting the other person to read your mind and then are upset when they don't guess it correctly. And it's just, I talk to people about this all the time. It's much better just to, <laughs> you know, clearly state what you want. Um, but you know, if your wife didn't want to, to work things out or didn't want to accept that that's the better route, then, well, yeah, there it, you have it. It made things rough. You know, she was, she, everything was always fine. You know, the, the doom word, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, you're doomed. Um, so I, it just became interesting. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, it was a good learning experience. I think it was very painful. We had a stepson, her son. Also, which he complicated the mix because he was very hostile towards me. I was the enemy mm. from the second we married. He, I got him at 14. 
bad age. Oh. <laughs> Richard, you, you can just keep ticking those boxes. So blended families, um, you know, once again, like nothing against blended families, but it's, it's just, an, it is another stressor that tends to yeah. not favor. And so when you stack all these things, uh, I can, yeah, I can see why there might have been problems. Yeah. And he never had a father. His father left very early before he was, when he was like in his early ones. So he he basically grew up with his mother and I came in and I'm the other man, I guess. And that would cause a lot of stress. And then she was, the illness helped also or didn't help. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Adding extra stress onto a, an already stressed relationship yeah. is not going to be a good situation. Yep. Yep. So that's, um, that sounds like that's the kind of thing you deal with all the time. Oh yeah, that's that's my bread and butter. That's that's every day for me. Now you say you're the ICU for marriages. So if we'd have come, to, like back to the question, if we'd have come to you, what would have been? How would you've handled us like in ICU? What would you've done? Well, I'm going to treat this a little bit like you actually are coming here with, with your wife. So I'm I'm wondering here in this hypothetical situation, is your wife actually? interested in making any changes or are we are you just coming to me by yourself does we, that make a difference we would be coming together but she would be coming under protest that was okay. that's the way we went in the first in the counseling sessions all right so right off the bat you know i uh, i'd be looking at this as a term uh, as a problem with motivation and i i just know that if i'm having to fight someone on on a goal that the, the likelihood that they're going to actually follow through with any suggestions that i have would be next to nothing so I'd be looking to establish right off the bat, um, you know, what would your wife actually be interested in fixing here? And I would start off with her complaints. So if she's saying, okay, Richard is this terrible uh, husband who doesn't understand what I, you know, understand me at all, I'd say, okay, well, what do we actually want that to be changed? Is that something that you're interested in? Um, and so, like I said, we would be starting off if the two of you were there together, uh, really looking to see what actually provides motivation and breaking it down. Um, a lot of times when I encounter these situations, I might even have a spouse who says, well, I, I just want to be done. Well, that, that's not an actual goal. And so, you know, even if your wife was saying something like this, uh, oftentimes I will tell people divorce is not really an, an end goal. No one wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I think it would be a really good idea to divorce. That sounds like a good life plan for me. Uh, they, yeah. they want what divorce actually affords them. And divorce is a means to an end. So maybe they're wanting relief. Maybe they don't want arguments anymore. Maybe they are wanting some freedom or basically, um, you know, they, they want some respect for some of their choices. And so we look at some of those underlying goals and we see, okay, is there actually any motivation to work through that problem? And typically we can find something that it, they want to solve, even if the end goal is not reconciliation. And from there, when we solve some of these problems, it becomes easier to go a, a little bit further and a little bit further. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You would have had a hard time because for her, everything was fine. So you, no, it, it, you wouldn't have been able to crack that. Nut. Oh no. I would have called her out and something like that. So I, I, this is, like I said, Richard, this is my bread and butter. I, I get know, people I know. who do not want to talk to me. I get people who are uncomfortable. And I, I think one of my, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I think one of my big talents is to really put people at ease and make them feel understood. Well, that's These important. Are people who are, yeah. are hostile. Yeah, I've, I've, 
I've had people yelling and screaming at me and I have them close friends with me and 10 minutes later. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I could, you know, break that down, but you know, that's, that's one of the things that I, I really pride myself in and, you know, who, who knows? I mean, it's hard to say w- with your wife having passed. Um, but if, if she was really resistant, I'd probably move towards, um, meeting with her individually so that I could at least take some of the pressure away from, you know, having to answer the right things in front of you or of course. Some, some conflict. But. That, that would have been fine with me because I just wanted to stop getting attacked <laughs> basically, sure. you know, it, it, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, in hindsight, because I've been through therapy on it and, you know, a lot of the sure. pain points are handled. So, I can talk about it without getting emotional. And that wasn't true a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it uh, the counselor was lost. <laughs> He'd well, never. Here, here's the thing, Richard, is most people will just go to their local counseling office and say, Hey, I need marriage counseling. And I'm going to just say, you know, I, I, you know, I, I went to school for psychology and you know what? Uh, getting my, you know, working towards that, clinical psychology degree, I was not required to do anything in terms of couples counseling. I, I, I elected to, there was two classes that were offered, which is hardly enough to, to do that because, you know, for the most part, most general therapists or counselors, uh, their most of their client load is not couples counseling. Uh, so you know, I decided early on that this is what I wanted to focus on. Um, and so I had to do a lot of my own research. I had to do a lot of my own studying. And, um, you know, so I have my, my library of books that, you know, <laughs> I would never have really even needed to under normal circumstances. And that's what a lot of people go to is that situation. Someone who says, hey, I'm a counselor. But, you know, most of the time they're dealing with people who have depression or anxiety issues, you know, the very common uh, mental health problems. Right. Which I don't. Yeah. So, So, you know, the, the approach for say uh, relationships and couples, you know, saving a marriage is, is not the same sort of, sir, there's some crossover, but it's like going to your general practitioner versus the, and I'm going to get this wrong. I, I, I'm hoping I'm using the right term, oncologist for cancer. Yeah, exactly. Right? You got it right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. It, you know, if you have cancer, do you want to go to the general practitioner or do you want to go to the oncologist? And, you know, most people are going to say they want to go to the oncologist. I usually skip the GP if I know what, if I think I know what's wrong. So yeah, exactly. yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's fascinating. You must run into some very interesting situations with marriages some which probably are easy to solve and some which probably you couldn't solve uh, yeah yeah um in terms of crazy situations i'm i think i've been doing this long enough that i i, I think i've heard most everything at this point um and y- yeah you're right there are some things that are you know i hear it and they say oh this we're this is so terrible and we're at each other's throats and then i hear the, the problem i'm thinking oh well, this is just, this is just like a regular Tuesday for me. This is, this is an easy thing to solve. <laughs> exactly. And other people, I'm like, oh man, I, this is going to be, this is going to be a challenge here. And yeah, you're right. And you need armed guards in there to keep them separated. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Figuratively anyway. Yes. You're like, where are the guards? 
<laughs> Where's the bulletproof glass? <laughs> well, and so for the most part, though, that's what people are coming to me for. They're, they, I'm, I'm the mediator. I'm the one that right. allows them to talk and not, you know, stab each other in the eyes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you must get some anger issues that are phenomenal, I'm sure, because it builds up over time. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's yes. <laughs> well, and here's, here's the, the part where people get really confused is, you know, I'll get a, a fair amount of people who say, you know, I'm trying to help my spouse. I'm trying to fix things. I'm trying to even support them. And then they're reacting in anger. Uh, and that's what really throws a lot of people for a loop is, you know, anger when it doesn't really make logical sense for there to be anger. And luckily enough, you know, I've, I've taken enough time figuring out all of these things out. Uh, you know, I write a lot of training material for the couples to look over. And I mean, this is, once again, it's just part of our course, you know, dealing sure. with things like this. Sure. So they go through a course? Yeah, that's, this is part of the reason why we are different. Um, so, you know, typically you'll, if, if you're looking for couples counseling on, on a regular basis, you'd go see them maybe once a week, maybe once every other week. And because we're often dealing with these marriage crisis situations, it needs a little bit more attention. So I typically am talking to my client. And in addition to that, um, I, I run group calls. Uh, either myself or one of my team members is there every day of the week for like a couple hours to just answer questions in case you've gotten into a fight, we're, we're there. Uh, and then on top of that, we have a, a lot of trainings, like what to do if your spouse is dealing with an affair, what to do if they don't want to talk to you. And, you know, so it's really easy for me to say, hey, here are the principles. I want you to go watch this next time when we come back together. Now that you know the principles of how to deal with this, I actually want to apply it to your specific situation. It makes it really good for holding our clients accountable and making sure that they're doing some work to learn the skills themselves. Right. But it sounds like the basic um, thing, foundation is that the two want to want to solve it. Or, want, uh, or believe no, there's actually, a problem. No, like we actually come at with the assumption that only one person wants to, to fix the marriage. Um, that's, that's like I said, that's why we're the ICU. That's why this is the okay. niche that we've created. And so we look at, okay, uh, basically I would say 95% of the people um, starting out with us are, you know, one of the spouses is wanting separation, divorce or something like that. And we're looking to put out that fire and then rebuild. Mm -hmm. So at least one of them wants, well, obviously to come to you, somebody has to want to come to you. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And that means they want to fix it somehow. If mm -hmm. They're seeing a problem. Um, but the other one, it sounds like probably doesn't want to be there, probably thinks it's over or they're happy. As in the case of my wife, she was fine with the situation. I was the one who, who was getting attacked or wasn't fine with it. So you would, I'm not sure which one of us would be the one you would focus on. Well, well, in this hypothetical situation, I'd be hypothetical. Talking, yeah, I'd be talking to you and be, we'd be looking at, figuring out how to uh, settle the problems that your wife is bringing to the table. Now she says she's fine. I, I would just say bluntly that that's a bold faced lie. <laughs> and uh, that's, you know, part of the problem. Um, the, very likely, you know, if I were to assess just from the limited information, I'd say that the pattern in your relationship 
is that there's resentment that builds up. Your wife wouldn't talk about it. And we'd be examining why. And then it builds up to the point where it explodes and she gets upset. And then here you are, you're left confused. Why is my wife so upset when, you know, to her, it's been obvious that you've been hurting her this whole time. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, that's almost certainly what was going on is there were little things that I was missing because she expected me to catch hints and clues and things. That was the way she operated. And so I didn't, then, then we'd be looking at other things because your wife was aiming for divorce. We'd be looking at, okay. Um, a common problem here is let's say that you were trying to fix it. You know, I'm sure you'd probably get a lot of anger and, you know, uh, resistance to you trying to fix the marriage. Very common problem that we deal with. Uh, and a lot of times the solution is, to let go of trying to fix the, the marriage and focus much more on the relationship. Does it actually feel good to be okay. around each other? Because here's the thing, your wife probably was, you know, for some time not feeling loved or heard or respected or whatever the lack was there. And if you go into the say, Hey, let's fix this. You're going to, you're not going to have a whole lot of motivation. I, two things keep people together, two types of commitment. One of them is all the, the things like marriage vows, having children, you know, time together, commitment, stigma against marriage, things outside of the marriage. The much more powerful thing uh, that keeps people together is, does it actually feel good to be around each other? And until you have that, uh, it's very unlikely that your uh, wife would have considered at all to, to stay together. Interesting. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I, I don't think I could do your job. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I hear that often enough. I, I'm not sure how I do my job either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you're going to hit all these emotional oh. highs and lows and everything in between. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm dealing with people crying uncontrollably. I'm dealing with people who are, uh, you know, that tension is palpable, you know, in the session anger is there and, um, you know, it takes a, it takes a lot on my end to make sure that I have those emotional walls up, uh, as, as odd as that might sound, uh, or just being able to guard myself against the extreme emotion that I'm seeing on a constant basis. Yes. Did you ever have anything turn physical in the counseling session? Well, no, because I mean, I mean, you know, we were t just talking about this just before, and this is of course over, you know, I do my, I, I conduct my sessions over zoom. Right? So I'm like, I'm seeing people all okay. over the world. Okay. Um, you know, and Oftentimes, you know, even if I do have a couple uh, sitting with me, they might be in separate locations. Connected, I see. Uh, over Zoom. So, because um, you may run into situations of like a battered wife or something. I'm sure you've had. Okay. Happen. And that's a, that's a different situation entirely. If I'm encountering something with a, a actual abuse going on, I do not um, typically recommend reconciling in, under those. That would make sense. Yeah. I, I, it's more than how do we peacefully exit this without further damage? Yeah. Or how do we get you out of danger? Even? Exactly. Well, that's, that's exactly what I'm, yeah. What I'm talking about. Yeah. How do we stop the damage from happening? Altogether? Uh, for the most part, I'm not seeing that though, because you know, we, we, a lot of our advertising, a lot of what we're doing to draw clients in, it's talking about saving the marriage. And for the most part, it, you know, if you are this battered wife, probably not on the top of your priority list, if you can even go there, because there's, there's the husband might beat you if you didn't, or why? Sometimes it happens the other way. Sometimes the husband is the battered husband. That, that's that. true. It is true. I actually, um, I do actually have clients even currently where that's the situation. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and like I was just saying, hey, I don't help those people. You know, it's it's not a you know just to clarify, <laughs> it's not at the level where it, we would say, okay, this is abusive, but you know, it's a, approaching that level, and you know, we do have to have talks about boundaries and respect and whatnot. Of course, yeah. Um, our marriage never got physical. We we just didn't like each other after a while. There was nothing to do about it because she was sick. <laughs> so there you go. So fascinating. Yeah, it sounds like um, you could have certainly have helped us back th- 25 years ago. Sure hope so. Um, then you probably also run to codependencies a lot. Uh, yes. Uh, where typically what that will look like is the, the client who's approaching saying, um, you know, they're going to present much more desperate. You know, their, their spouse is pulling away and we have someone who's so desperate, so distraught uh, over, you know, considering that their, their husband or wife could possibly leave them. Uh, yeah. And then that the, the case there is, you know, you, like you said, there's a, a problem with codependence, like just the idea, could you actually be happy without this person is hard for them to, to fathom, but it is it's needed. Uh, and a, a lot of times I'll talk to, to clients about, okay, well, what is the healthy, what would be a healthy foundation for a relationship if you were to get back together? And, you know, certainly a, a codependence or this situation where you couldn't possibly be happy without them is not a, a healthy foundation. No, of course not. That's actually very unhealthy. Yeah. It's so almost, almost yeah, a mental I, illness. <laughs> yes. And so we would have to talk about in those cases, how do you be happy with, without your partner? You know, even if we're aiming to fix the relationship. Yeah. Cause it's important to spend time apart. That's something I found is it is important to have space. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. And which was one of her areas of contention, by the way, is I needed space and she didn't want to give it. So it became interesting. Well, yeah, there needs to be room for individual interests, hobbies, um, to a certain extent, uh, friends, so that when you do come together, there's something to talk about, yep. uh, something to share with the other person. Yep, yep. But um, yeah, this is, this is fascinating stuff. I think that marriage and relationships are important and they're close. So of course you can get in each other's face. Mm-hmm. and have issues and and you don't want to hurt the other person so you start not talking about it about what's going on and then it just builds up and builds up and builds up until finally the pressure cooker goes off right yeah i often will tell people that you know the two things that will kill a relationship is if you have no ability to be open about problems or if you have no ability no avenue to be open about what's wanted either and just like you said, if you don't have those things, it will, the, the pressure will build up and it will explode or just die, essentially. Let me ask you a hypothetical here. Suppose you had a couple come in and you finally got one of them off to the side because you realized that that one needed, needed to be separated. And she, she or he, whichever, said they had an affair or were gambling or had some serious problem that they were not telling their spouse would you recommend that they tell their spouse or would you recommend that they solve their problem well first i would be wondering why can't why can't they share that with their spouse okay because that would actually be a huge part of that problem to begin with okay. uh, you know i i, I will it's, it's not uncommon for me to encounter spouses who have some sort of addictive 
problem. Of course. And, you know, a big thing that fuels addictive behavior is that, that secrecy, like this idea, I can't share this with my spouse. It's too much for them to handle. They're going to leave me. And, you know, even getting, so where I would get to is, I do think that that would eventually need to be discussed, but we would have to need to work through why can't it be shared in the first place? So you wouldn't right away have them just disclose everything they've done to each other. No, I think that would be dumb. Honestly, just not, not because it shouldn't be shared. It's you want to be able to share it in a healthy manner. So you got to build up to it and get some affinity between the two before you do that. I mean, the whole, the whole reason that this person can't, this hypothetical person can't share is, (coughs) excuse me, it would be a major problem in the relationship anyway. So this would be all on the, the same path of fixing this hypothetical couple is being able to be open enough to share problems. I'll sometimes talk about levels of intimacy and, you know, ideally you want to be very close, emotionally intimate with your spouse. Well, level one, we have basically an intimacy that you might have with a cashier. Like I call it the, 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 the cashier exchange. You don't, you might wish them a hap, uh, wish them a good day, but you don't really care whether they have a good day or not. Most of Sure. Uh, level two, you'd have like a business or facts. You can talk with your coworker about what's going on at, at work. Level three, you have an ability to share opinions about things outside yourself. You know, what was Tom doing at work? And, oh, is he cheating on his wife? And do I like this show or not? Um, Level four is more interpersonal and personal opinions. What do I like about you? Uh, What do I like about myself? Can we share those things? And level five is what we're talking about and why um, why this is a hard thing to share is can you share struggles and weaknesses and make that a connecting experience? If you can, that's a very intimate relationship. And if you can't, then you, you're really not at level five. No, no, yeah, um, you, you're not. Like, one of the things I really appreciate about my, my marriage is my ability to share those things with my wife. I know that I can go to her and say, hey, I'm really struggling here. And I, I can expect that she's going to be there to support me. So... This makes for a very open relationship where, you know, we can ebb and flow and we can have struggles and we know that it's not going to be a deal breaker. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a very good relationship. Well, thanks. I think so myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's get your wife in the room and find out what she thinks. No kidding. (laughs) Honestly, you know, she's she's involved in our our business. here and there and I'll often have her on the podcast and we'll talk about our relationship all the time. Cool. Because we're, we're very proud of it. We're, we say we've been married for 15 years. We have five kids now and we say, Hey, we've been, we've been through, through some rough times and you know what? Um, we know some stuff. I think we do know some things. Yeah. Uh, my, my sister has one of those marriages. She's been married to, to um, her husband for 30 years, I think. And they have five kids, uh, one autistic and she's, she owns a school with 4,000 students. I mean, she's fantastic. And I remember um, going to a get together with some of her family and they, they were a university. One of them was graduating from university and just looking around and thinking, wow, this family is actually getting along. This is weird. Cause yeah. I, I'd actually never seen that before. Well, I, I, I like to, you know, I'm not going to take all the credit. You know, I think I, my, my parents were a really great example. They've been now married for 55 years. Uh, 
I grew up with a family of eight kids. We, I, you know, I, I think we all get along really well. We, we, uh, and so, you know, that example there, I think really set a precedent. Um, cool. You know, family was really important to us. And so, you know, my wife and I have really kept that up. Yep. Yep. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. Do you have any, any closing remarks? Um, how do people get hold of you? The usual questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, the best way to get a hold of us, uh, you can always go to our website. It's www.highthrivecoaching.com. Some really easy entry points. If you're just looking for some information, we have do-it-yourself courses, you know, uh, with some tips, tricks, things to, to look over. We do have a Facebook group called The Thriving, Mar- the Thriving Marriage. Uh, on there, uh, I, I have weekly trainings or podcasts. Uh, you can also look us up on YouTube. Um, nice. That way as well. So the, the, the podcasts are there. Uh, so uh, we do offer, uh, as has should be abundantly clear at this point, we do offer the, the one-on-one traditional sort of coaching or counseling sort of stuff, but we, we run the gamut and have lots of different services if that's not your cup of tea. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you for coming on. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I learned a lot, actually. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So it was good talking to you. Thanks for having me. Okay. Thank you. All right. That's it. What do you think? Thought it went well.